Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast, brought to you by Jalen Lutzi, Kyle Stein, and me, Michael Kimball. We are two weeks into the season, and we are here to talk about the biggest surprises and disappointments so far. One of the biggest surprises so far uh, is the Miami Heat, one of Jalen's favorite teams, Jalen's favorite team, Jalen's hometown team. They were playing great without Jimmy. Jimmy's back. What's the outlook? Yeah, so, I mean, I will say, just to toot my own horn, I'm pretty sure I picked uh, the Heat as my surprise team uh, in the East uh, on my Razzball prediction. So if you're a Razzball reader, you can fact check me and make sure I'm not making that up. <laughs> um, and I wasn't the only one. There are a lot of people. Um, I think um, Zach Lowe is one of them who was high on the Heat coming into the season. So, so far we look, we look smart. So far we've been proven right. The Heat are doing Heat things. They're defending well, um, but they're also scoring well and they're getting a lot of contributions from uh, some unknown or previously unknown players, unheralded players, uh, a couple of them coming up from the G League, uh, most prominently Kendrick Nunn. So uh, Kendrick Nunn is an interesting story because he was on the Warriors G League team last season, and I don't know if you've been watching the Warriors, but they could use a player like Kendrick <laughs> Nunn. I mean, uh, on nights where D'Angelo Russell r- r- rests, uh, Nunn would probably be the best player on the team now that Steph Curry uh, is injured and not playing. So, um, yeah, they the Warriors previously had Kendrick Nunn, and as, as the story goes, um, they chose to... Uh, bring Kendrick Nunn off the bench, even though he is now averaging about 21 points or something like that as a rookie. Um, And I think in his first five games, he's like second or third for most points by a rookie in their first five games. So this is a person who was coming off the bench in the G League that's doing this. (laughs) Uh, But the story goes that he was coming off the bench in the G League because the Warriors were aware of how good he was and they were trying to hide him, um, similar to what they did with Alan Smilajik. Smilajic, um, who they sort of like went through this weird maneuver to hide him on their G League team and then draft him in the second round. Um, and it didn't work. The The Heat figured it out. They snatched him up, signed him to a contract on the last day of the season last year, signed him to a three-year deal, and now he's starting. And we all thought, oh, Jimmy Butler is out. You know, that's why Kendrick Nunn is starting. And nope, uh, Kendrick Nunn is starting because Kendrick Nunn is starting. Um, and he's still because starting. He's yeah, and he's still starting now that um, Jimmy Butler is back. And you know, anytime I feel like a rookie um, has a couple good games, we're kind of like, okay, when is the shoe going to drop? When is this all going to fall apart? But Kendrick Nunn looks like an NBA athlete. I think he shot 40% from three in college. This is just what he does. This is just who he is. He's looked great, and there's been no reason to think it won't continue. He looks that good. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing I love about the Heat is um, there was a question before the season started. Winslow is at the point. And I love the way they play with him at the point. Um, any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so I so we we it was an open question whether or not Dragic was going to start or Winslow was going to start, and you know the answer was that Winslow's starting and Dragic is coming off the bench, and uh, Dion Waiters is all but irrelevant uh, in the Heat organization these days. He's he's commenting on people's Instagram posts and sort of signing his uh, exit papers out of town by doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Heat have, they're making all their ball handlers work. I mean, I think Jimmy Butler looks more, uh, more willing to pass and move the ball along and get other teammates involved. So it doesn't feel like 
the offense is getting bogged down with the ball in his hands and Dragic is coming in and killing in second units. I mean, I think he already has like a, a 28 point game this season off the bench. So yeah, they've got a lot of firepower and a thing that seemed to be a problem for them last year, their depth and all this like uh, redundant skill sets of guards now seems to be something that is a real strength for them. Right. Uh, Kyle, I don't know. Did you want to say anything about Winslow since he's on your fantasy team? You know, I actually wanted to turn the question back to you in a way about Kendrick Nunn being on your fantasy team because obviously Nunn got some of his run because of Jimmy Butler being out. Uh, Butler has been back. Butler actually at this point has the top defensive rating of any player in the wow. NBA. Granted, it's probably only over Small what two, sample, two, two yeah. games or something, <laughs> but but um, I noticed that they were just a fearsome team when he was out there. But the question I had for you about none was he's currently the 33rd ranked player in nine cat leagues um, on Yahoo, which is what we play in. And a lot of this was done um, without assist numbers and partially because Winslow is taking up the point and we expect um, Jimmy Butler to take up um, some ball handling duties as well. And I'm curious what you see as Nunn's fantasy impact on your team and what you're hoping to get out of him this season. Well, I'm probably tanking this season. So I saw Kendrick Nunn as a player who, well, first of all, he's starting, right? So he's starting, so that means he's going to get a fair amount of playing time, right? So um, I I drafted terribly, so I, I missed out on a lot of value in the draft. So I'm looking for ways to... Um, find and grab value now on the waiver wire. And Kendrick Nunn is like a perfect player to do that because he's starting, um, you know, he doesn't have much of a reputation coming into the season. That's why I was able to snatch him up. And I snatched him up pretty quickly because oftentimes I'm a bit hesitant on the wire um, because I'm like, oh, this person's going to do this for like a week and then it's never going to happen again. But I had been watching Kendrick Nunn in summer league. He was the best player in the summer league team. Like everyone was raving about Tyler Hero. He was actually the best player on the summer league team. Um, he scored 40 points in a preseason game against James Harden. He was like crossing James Harden over. So I was like, okay, this is real. And when you watch him play, you're like, oh, he like he's quick. He, he can jump. He's got bounce. He's like, he just looks like an NBA athlete. Nothing about it looks fluky. So I was like, okay, I'm picking him up. Um, and he was like giving, as you were saying, he's not great in assist numbers. He's like getting shots up. Like that's his, that's his calling card for sure. And so I guess my hope would be that he grows into that, uh, into those like playmaking abilities as he, um, plays longer with it with his teammates and gets more comfortable with the league but I think he's always going to be able to score and I also think that right now my team is basically all point guards and I'm doing this like weird point guard center build I I'm trying to shift which we can talk about later I'm trying to shift into like a an efficiency build and none shoots the ball well from three he shoots the ball well from the free throw line um, he's a point guard, so theoretically he's going to get more assists than basically any other position on the floor, uh, or point guard or shooting guard, whatever whatever he you want to call him. So yeah, I was just like, there's very little downside here, especially since I don't think I'm going to be doing too well in the league this year, regardless. So the reason why I was asking, and I haven't been able to um, find the how many how many more years do the Heat have um, Winslow under contract? He, Do we know this? He just signed a new contract. I think he's got three more years left. So I'll double check that. So that's interesting. I mean, so 
um, Dragic is going to open up some other playmaking opportunities for none. And so I'm, I'm thinking about it this way. So um, Jimmy Butler is coming back and Kendrick Nunn um, has one of these early season sensations that you'll see a lot of years in fantasy. And you're, you're asking yourself, you know, how real is it? And I think a lot of it can stick. I mean, I think you're right about his being a very efficient player. Um, he already has an NBA shot. Um, he's not likely to get the 35 to 40 minutes a game that we've been seeing him get in the early season here. Um, but I don't think it's far off to think that he might average 30 minutes a game, even on this team. Um, and with that, you're going to see probably a little bit of a downtick in his steal numbers. He doesn't really get blocks. Um, his assist numbers, I wouldn't expect to to go up much over the three that they're at now, especially because Jimmy Butler is going to take up so much of that. And so I'm thinking about him in two different ways. Is you know, to to what extent is he going to provide you value this year? And in a keeper league, what kind of player do we think that he could become? Um, if given more opportunity, say next year when Dragic isn't around and he maybe has more of those playmaking opportunities, can he be someone who gets into that Josh Richardson area of like four and a half assists per game, you know, to complement the scoring and add to those steal numbers? Because then he puts you into the like, you know, probably the 50s or 60s um, in terms of like uh, overall rankings um, on Yahoo. And a pretty certain keeper for our yeah. league. Um, and, and I think you're right. I mean, one of the things that's going to keep him in minutes is, is exactly what you articulated. It's interesting, though, the, the Heat have a couple of other play. They have more depth than they've had before. Um, they've had a bunch of guys hurt, which is why a lot of the young guys are getting more run. But we will see James Johnson come back, I assume, and at least have a backup role. Same with Deion Waiters. Um a lot of people assumed Hero was going to get the minutes, uh, but it turned out to be none. So there are a lot of interesting pieces uh, at play there, but none just looks too good to give up that many minutes. I mean, I think he's going to keep himself on the floor. Yeah, I could think if, you know, I, I'm always a little cautious about these things. Yeah, of course. But, but I expect him to stay in the top 100. And yeah. especially, in a, you know, we're in a 14-team fantasy league, and so we run – 196 players deep before IL slots. <laughs> and so, you know, a, a top 100 player is significant value. Yeah. And I really think that, you know, with a start like this, you could see him, you know, gaming for that all season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's move on to one of the other uh, nice surprises in the league this year. Um, this one is uh, one of Kyle's favorite teams, the Philadelphia 76ers. Not so much of a surprise. We expected them to do well in one sense, but we didn't expect their depth to be doing as well as it is. And we might not have expected their length to be showing as well as it is. What do you think, Kyle? I love... Horford and Richardson on this team and they're the, the perfect pieces and they're much better on offense than what I thought they would be they're not the same kind of team um, they uh, I'd actually have to look at their offensive rating to see exactly where they you know compare to last year but just by the eye test they don't feel like a team that struggles to score 
And part of it may be that they're in every game because of this defense. But right. they have capable ball handlers at every position. Um, not always capable sh- shooters, per se, when you talk about range with Simmons particularly. But they but they've done they've made moves to make that downside much less of a downside yeah yeah you know, and bringing in Richardson who plays as a point guard and can play make Horford who's a great passer uh you, you know they're they're doing other things to fill in around Simmons in a way they haven't been able to in the past and I think we're seeing a different team because of it and that's on the offensive side on the defensive side they just look terrifying to me just the length and the passing lanes and the disruption they create and the sixth man who they didn't have, you know, until the end of preseason. But now they've got this Do you kid. think it's Thibel? I mean, yeah. he's amazing. Like, he, he plays so hard. He's having some foul trouble because of it. But he's they, they're just fun to watch. Yes. Yeah, so, so I was just going to say, I feel like the story on the Sixers, it's like, it's a surprise in the sense that we all knew how they were going to succeed. Sort of, we knew that they were going to. It was going to require them to be a suffocating defense and be, you know, top five in the league in defense. Um, and they might struggle a little bit on offense. And I think that's exactly what's happening. Um, according to NBA.com, uh, they are, I think, exactly they're exactly fifteenth uh, in offensive rating, and they are exactly. Uh, six in defensive rating so the formula is there they're killing people on defense they're strangling the other team's offense and they're average you know on on offense they're doing just enough to win the games to score enough points to win the games and stay in the games with their defense so and I, I think there's room to grow for their offense basically no one on the team is really shooting well from outside right now uh, Richardson should shoot better hopefully Ben Simmons can like shoot at all and like get get the touch on his hook shots and that sort of thing um, I'm sure Al Horford will shoot better throughout the season. So they have room to grow and improve on their offense. You know, I, I do want to talk about one more fantasy thing yeah, with this team because I made a quip in the draft about Thibel going for too much when I saw him go for $9. And there are a couple of points to make about that. Uh, we're in a keeper league, and you only add on $5 to a player's salary for the next year. And so, uh, you know, considering at 14, maybe Thibault would be pretty good, um, you know, especially with those defensive numbers. I forgot to add in, though, in my mind at the time, that this team got a player discount um, for not making the playoffs last year, our sort of like fantasy league rookie draft, you know, entered into the auction. And so he really came out at seven, which puts him at maybe 12 for next year with some just killer, like put you over the top steals and blocks numbers he or stacks as they call them. A game. Yeah. Um, or it could be four stocks and, and if you con- want. Three steals and one block. And considering that Simmons just had, what, seven steals last night? That was crazy. I mean, that makes them such a – Yeah, Richardson's getting a lot of steals too. I think he had four team. last night. Uh, he's on my fantasy team. So, yeah, they're getting a lot of defensive stats, all these all these Sixers players. Uh, let's move on to a couple other surprises. Um, one of them uh, I want to mention because uh, we teased it in the preview um, a few weeks ago, but the Suns, who now have a real point guard, are really good. <laughs> Unexpectedly so. We didn't expect them to get there quite yet. And 
they're doing it now without Aiton as well, who's out on a 25-game suspension. Um, was it just the point guard? Point guards unlock so much. New coach? I really still think it's – I mean, granted, um, Rubio is out for two games. Right. So – Booker. Who knows? Yeah. But they definitely it, – it, it was nice to see them come together and look like a real team for the first time in years, and that was a nice surprise. One other surprise we've had um, – Well, before you, before you move yeah. on, I just wanted to say the um, – yeah, I, I do think we should give some credit to Monty Williams. I do think they made changes to put more NBA-caliber players on the roster so you didn't have a bunch of G League guys or – uh, and I think we're we're all right to say that having a point guard makes a huge difference. You know, that means Devin Booker doesn't have to play the point guard. He can focus on scoring. He can focus on picking his spots and trying to be more efficient. You know, they're playing defense. They're moving the ball well. It looks like a functional, um, well-put-together team that knows what they want to do, that knows how they want to play. They have veteran guys there, um, and it's working out pretty well. And also, I was wrong. Rubio only missed one game. And when I look back at it, he has been transformative in in the other games. I mean, putting up, you know, close to triple double numbers, you know, in three of these. Yeah. And and Aaron Baines, Aaron Baines has been uh, found gold. I mean, he's 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 getting assists. He's getting like three, four assists regularly in these games, sometimes five or six assists. Um, he's scoring points. He's shooting like fit 45 to 50 percent for three. I'll, I'll look that up. But he's shooting some ridiculous amount from three, which is obviously not sustainable. But he has been shooting threes over the past few seasons and getting better and better at it. So he's obviously not going to shoot in the high 40s for the rest of the season, but he might shoot 38 percent. And if your center is is going to shoot 38 percent from three, that's huge for you in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's been great for the Suns and holding them together with Aiton out. Um uh, one other uh, surprise I'd like to talk about uh, just briefly. It, we didn't know what the Dallas Mavericks were quite going to look at. We look like we knew, um, you know, Zing coming off the injury, um, Doncic would be great, but there are a lot of question marks at a lot of other positions on that team. Um, but they've looked really good at times, and one of the best games of the season so far was that November first game, the Lakers and the Mavs that went into overtime. The Lakers um, took over in overtime and won it pretty easily at that point, but it was a really fun game to watch. I think we saw the Lakers come together to some extent in that game, and we saw the Mavericks sort of show up as a team that could contend. We saw some transcendent flashes from Doncic. We saw LeBron finally running the team and it all working. any thoughts on on the Mavericks or the Lakers? Doncic seemed to me on a path to being like a legitimate. Maybe he's the best player in the league. Could be, yeah. Right. I mean, so he in two years. I'm yeah, two years. He's not there now, yeah. but there he he was so much faster than I yeah. imagined him being. He had so much more athleticism than what I pictured him having from last year. Yeah, and he lost weight, and he with just one of the reads. He he sees the court. Yeah, in, that's in the amazing, amazing way, and he just he hits shots. 
there were a couple of sequences where, you know, LeBron made a great play. Then he came down and matched it. Then LeBron matched that. Then, like, yeah. it was just Their it was handshake sort of after the to, game. Just watching them go back and yeah. forth, and you knew that was what was happening. Their handshake after the game was great. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Doncic is just a savant uh, passer, playmaker, and he's, what, 6'8", so he's got the ability to see over the defense. Sometimes he's getting trapped near half court, and he can still make that zip the pass to the roll man. Um, so, I mean, it's it's extremely impressive. And I think another thing I wanted to say about the Mavericks is that there may be an example and a lesson, and this is something that Zach Lowe says all the time, is does a team fit? Does a team make sense? And um, you know, the Mavericks make sense. Having uh, Doncic and Porzingis pick and roll makes sense. You know, you put those guys in the pick and roll and then you dot the rest of the floor with shooters of the likes of DeLon Wright and Seth Curry. You know, that makes sense. Spread pick and roll, shooters around it. Uh, it gives Doncic space to attack the rim. It gives Porzingis space to attack the rim. Porzingis can stretch. He's shooting the three really well. He hit AD with a jab step, like crossover three in that game, and the crowd went crazy. I mean, yeah, they're they're exciting, and it, all indications are that they're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, they look good, and they're running a ton of guys out there, a ton of different lineups. Powell has looked good now that he's back. Um, Jalen Brunson, I'm continually surprised they get anything out of him and they keep doing it. Um, they, they just look really great, and I've watched them mix and match those lineups quite a bit, and, and they all seem to work. So yeah. it, it, they'll I be feel, a fun team to watch. I feel like Jalen Brunson is the little fundamental. You know, uh, Tim Duncan was a big fundamental. Jalen Brunson yeah. is yep. a little fundamental. He's always <laughs> – He's always jump-stopping and pivoting into an open shot when you think he, the defense has him bottled up. He always seems to be able to get his shot off. So, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're a four-year college player and you play under Jay Wright. But Right, right. Um, let's slide over to uh, from surprises to disappointments, I think, you mean, unless you have more surprises you'd like to talk about. I just think that we should definitely talk about the Lakers for just a minute because they, they have surprised with – how good they are. I was going to call was, them a disappointment and a surprise. Interesting. So that's, the, that, <laughs> that's a fair way to then, – then they're the perfect transition, right? <laughs> right. So the Lakers, after their first game, seemed in trouble. Yeah, and a lot of trouble. I'm surprised by how quickly and decisively they've rallied. Um, I'm particularly sing- impressed with the wing play. Uh, the I didn't expect – them to get such contributions out, such productive contributions out of KCP and Avery Bradley. Um, I think getting Caruso back has helped and, you know, having another um, ball handler on the floor. I mean, last time that we talked, you know, we were saying that LeBron just can't have the ball in his hand for, you know, not 48 minutes, but but for the the full time that he, you know, that he's on, on the floor in a game. And, and they've definitely moved away from that. Um, and he he picks his spots. And in, well, actually, in that Mavs game was you know perfect example. He picked his spots in the you know the the fourth quarter and in overtime, and really you know showed that he he can dictate a game yeah. still. They made significant changes pretty quickly after that disappointing start. And and one was LeBron not always bringing up the ball. And that was we, – we were hitting that in our group chat um, a week ago or whenever that was. Um, the other big difference is AD sliding up to the five um, for significant periods of time. But how about 
Yeah. <laughs> what else? Uh, Dwight Howard. Howard, Howard. Dwight Howard playing oh, really well. We, yeah. We need to talk. I about, actually couldn't even remember his name. I need That's to how call much I'd forgotten a about Howard him. Howard play that almost nobody has talked about, and this was. He looks great. He does look great. Danny Green's tying three-point shot <laughs> in the Mavs game. If you guys the one where he held Seth Curry. So, but but Dwight, yeah, Dwight Howard was out on the wing and basically holding Seth Curry on the ground, which is the only thing that left Danny Green that open in the corner for that shot. I don't even know if Javale McGee is out there for that. I don't even know if AD's out there for that. But Dwight Howard was there and he made that happen. Yeah, he was he was setting a I guess it would be considered a flare screen for Danny Green in right. the corner and um I guess you know Seth Curry probably knew that that's exactly what was about to be happening he and tried was to kind of trying under. to yeah he was trying to like spin off of the screen and and Dwight Howard just completely held him just grabbed him yeah. <laughs> and the the refs didn't call it the Mavs were not happy but I mean in terms of surprise about the Lakers um the Lakers have the best defensive rating uh, in the league right now at wow. 96.3. Um, so, I mean, we expected that they would have a solid defense under Frank Vogel, but we also had some questions, you know, how much effort is LeBron going to give on the defensive end and all these sorts of things. But, I mean, they, their defense is legit. I mean, it seems like their defense is 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 real, you know. AD at the five or at the four, uh, flanked by Dwight Howard, you know, you're not going to do much in the paint in, in those situations. Yeah. And, and I'll say this, Dwight Howard has been fouling a lot, but I've seen him on a couple occasions move his feet pretty well out on the perimeter with guards, which is not something we've ever associated with him. Um, and that's really impressive. If he can reliably do that, especially into the playoffs, then I mean, this defense gets even scarier. You've got Danny Green, who's a great defender. You've got Avery Bradley, who seems to have his verve back and is yeah. healthy now. He's a pest. He was in Luka Doncic's jersey all game that game. Um, he was giving Mike Conley fits when, when they played. So, I mean, their defense seems real. LeBron um, has not fallen off a cliff. Uh, so anyone who was predicting that is very wrong. Um even even I, I think LeBron has been like passive to start games, but that passive that passivity just means that AD is scoring a lot of points and, and getting to the free throw line a lot. Yeah, Kyle, do you have anything else on the Lakers that you're loving? You know, I'll hold off there. The the only okay. thing that that just happened though, as you were talking about um, team defensive ratings, is that we appeared to have. Um, undersold the uh the jazz's defense this year a lot of people were projecting that the loss of favors was going to you know significantly diminish um their defensive rating and at least through their first seven games they are second in the league in defensive rating and only you know 1.1 points behind the lakers um, let's move on to a couple other disappointments i think the biggest disappointment so far this season is probably the Warriors, not necessarily for their play, but just all of the injuries that they've had to uh, deal with so far. Um, we already, you know, they lost KD in um, free agency. Clay Thompson's hurt. Now Steph Curry's hurt. Draymond's been hurt. And it, the, how thin this roster is, is really showing in a rough way now. Um, Jalen, what do you think? I know you follow this team pretty closely. Yeah, so, I mean, thoughts. What are my thoughts? So, 
I feel like we came into this season expecting uh, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and D'Angelo Russell to drag a team of young players, uh, players who are incomplete, not fully formed, who maybe have some defensive liabilities uh, to the playoffs, you know, fight for an eighth seed, maybe at best case scenario, get the sixth seed. But when the season started, what we saw was a team that included Steph, Draymond, D'Angelo Russell, and mostly borderline non-NBA players. So, um, and and maybe maybe that's an exaggeration, but uh, the other issue was the fact that Kevon Looney is injured, Willie Cauley-Stein is injured, Alec Burks was injured for the first couple games of the season. Um, we, we haven't even seen Smilajic. Um, he's still injured. Now Steph Curry's injured. So not only do they not have great players, you know, um, but they also they don't have, have any they don't have healthy players. <laughs> the, the players that they do have who aren't really that good aren't healthy. So, um, yeah, it's been a mess. The Chase Center seems to be cursed. Everyone's injured. Now Draymond's injured. He's got a ligament issue in his finger. Um, yeah, I'm going to let Kyle talk about the Chase Center curse. Yeah, you knew, you knew I wanted to talk about the curse. I mean, curse, you know, I always when did I take start? some I take some satisfaction in the Warriors falling this far. Not because I want to see anyone injured. In fact, I never want to see the players injured. Um, but I always did think that in a certain way they made a deal with the devil with the Kevin Durant signing. And I mean that, you know, kind of in a funny occult supernatural way, but I also mean it just in a, in a legitimate like team construction way. They sacrificed a lot in terms of depth to be able to sign Kevin Durant. And eventually that debt was going to come due. And this seems to be the year that it's happening. Now, the Chase Center curse, I'm interested in partly because I think that they forsook their fans by moving from Oakland to San Francisco. And it something seemed to be happening last year in the playoffs, and especially in the finals, where I just had this premonition. The curse was already starting? That the curse was already starting and that in a way they were going to leave Oracle as they had spent so many years in Oracle, which is losing, and that they were (laughs) going to go into Chase Center as a losing team. And that all of Lacob's, we do do it right and we're the best organization in the NBA, um, was going to be for naught and... um, and in fact was going to be quite the reverse yeah i mean if you're if you're a golden state warriors hater which basically means if you are not a golden state warriors fan if you are a fan (laughs) of literally any other team the last five years have been pretty rough for you um so that means you're just reveling in all this this crumbling the the crumbling and the fall of the empire we're all seeing it you know front and center right now so yeah, it's tough to watch. We it's don't want to see any torn ACLs, and we don't want to see torn Achilles, and we don't want to see broken metacarpals. We we don't want to see any of that. Yeah. We don't want to see Draymond's injury even now, even though it does seem to be a shorter-term injury. Yeah. But there was j- just this feeling that it was coming. And I'm not mystical, and I don't actually believe that, you know, you sit there and you feel like, you know, that, that – 
the evil is coming. I believe um, all of it. But <laughs> but it's hard not to look at it that way. We're 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 weirdly mystical creatures who have very very limited powers of foresight and hindsight and we piece together meaning as best we can and it really feels like a curse is happening. I mean even Steph has some of that in him. He wanted to christen the new arena. And he christened the new arena <laughs> with, by coming across the half court line and putting up a shot. It was not a good shot. No, it was an air ball. <laughs> he christened the arena with an air ball, which is uh, pretty apt for the season so far. I did not realize that that shot was supposed to be a christening. Yes, wow. he had told. He's, he I, said I he, he wanted told to. D'Angelo Russell, he's, he's like, "I'm going to christen." Yeah, and D'Angelo think... didn't know what that meant, but like, well, he that's gave something. Him the ball. That's something too because... for a. De- devout christian as curry is i think God i think he said with him this he time. said he said he was like what better way to christen the new arena than for me steph curry you know the of the um innovator of the crazy shot you know the deep three the pull-up three the bad shot that is like oh no 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 oh yes 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 because it actually went in and so that's what he tried to do in the chase center and it uh didn't work out and that's exactly how the season's been going since then one of the other pieces of that story was that D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry had worked out a system. Whoever got the ball on a rebound or an outlet would be the one to bring it up. D'Angelo Russell got the ball and gave it to Steph, to christen. So I think breaking their system, the debt coming due, all of it is pointing in the same direction, um, which is a long season of disappointment for the Golden State Warriors. Um, one last piece about it. Uh, are they going to pull a Spurs move? Can they sink to the bottom, get a great pick next year, and do something next season? Well, let's just be clear. You're talking about the Spurs of the 1990s. A very different team. Yeah, that that tanked um, in a David Robinson injury year and got the draft rights to Tim Tim Duncan Duncan and uh, and an immediate championship the next year in his rookie season. Yeah. it does seem that that's the way they're going. Um, I'm curious what talent will be there this year um, and, and who they might be able to get and how they would be able to fit that player in. And it's going to be a fascinating story to see. And in a way, you know, maybe the curse could all fall in one year. Maybe in a way they get all the bad blood out in one just catastrophic, devastating year that allows us all some kind of catharsis. You know, the feeling that they got what was coming and then we can all be behind them because, you know, I love Draymond, you know. Of course. Curry is an absolute joy to watch. But they they had to hit bottom to me. They really did. And... I think I, I say could see they them draft get... Lamelo, oh, the truest best basketball ball, and it transforms the Warriors into something new, and we all love it. Uh, Lamelo Ball, the curse breaker. Yeah, uh, but we we can <laughs> we shouldn't spend too much more time on them. But I guess I'll try and be quick for a couple last points. Eric Paschal um, looks really good. Um, he looks like he will not only fit now in this rebuilding year, but also in the future when they 
uh, hope to be contending for championships or, um, you know, top five seeds in the Western Conference uh, playoffs. Um, Damian Lee is someone who um, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, a uh, writer at The Athletic, is a big fan of, who's on a two-way contract currently, but is mostly on a two-way because uh, the Warriors mismanage their roster um, and salary cap, and so they don't have a full roster spot for him, so he has to be on a two-way, but he's really, I think, better than a two-way player. Um, and I think uh, in terms of their hope of pulling the Spurs model, you know, I don't think there are any Tim Duncans in this draft, so it's probably going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, and back to like a comment you said, Kyle, this idea of Joe Lacob saying we're light years ahead and we're the greatest organization and we do everything right. And I think you if you are not a fan of the Warriors, you had every right to like clown them now uh, after those those comments, because those comments were unnecessary. Um, they were brash. And, you know, that's what billion dollar owners say and do. Uh, but I also think there is maybe I'm, I'm intrigued by this season for them because there's maybe enough evidence to suggest that maybe they once were that organization that was light years ahead and was doing all the things right. You know, Travis Schlenk was there. Now he's with the Hawks and he's doing these great things. You know, uh, they let go of, I think, multiple uh, head uh, trainers and we've seen how that can have an effect on a team. Um, a lot of injuries. You know, yeah, they had a lot of injuries. So I feel like at one point they were doing all this. They let go of the, uh, I think Sammy Goldfan is his name. He was their their sort of stats person, their analytics guy who helped uh, helped them make the decision to put Andrew Bogut on um, Tony Allen in the playoffs a couple years ago. So they've sort of let go of all these pieces that were integral to the championship run and the building of the dynasty. And now we get to see. Now we get to see them put their money where their mouth is and see if they can actually develop the talent that they've already drafted, find new talent in the G League, manage the salary cap and the roster effectively, um, and we get to see it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, a couple other um, disappointing teams I think uh, we can talk about a bit. Um, one is the Magic, who um, I will freely admit I was wrong about, at least so far. Uh, the way they finished last season, I was hoping um, they could make a kind of top four seed this run, you, you know, on the outside. Um, they're two and four this season. Don't look that great. I'm going to suggest it's starting with the point guard to some extent. Um, and that's part of why maybe Fultz um, moving into the starting lineup and the team transforming around him could be the path for them. But it's really hard to tell what's quite going on there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm basing a lot of this on an article I read. John Hollinger wrote a great article about the magic uh, for the athletic. Um, and he there there are a lot of similarities between the magic and the sixers uh we might not think so but so in we talked about this how the sixers are top six in defensive rating and uh they're 15th in offensive rating so let me give you the numbers for the magic the magic are uh fifth they're one spot ahead of the sixers in defensive rating and they are last they are dead last in the nba in <laughs> offensive rating so their formula is the same as the sixers but they're shooting so poorly and their offensive so bad they can't win the games the way the sixers are doing they can't stay in the games because their offense is so bad and so um yeah well, they did I, take on part of the sixers bad shooting with markel Fultz. <laughs> they did. They did. So there are ties they there as well. They had to find a point guard. They've been playing without a point, like a real, like DJ Augustine, fine. 
fantasy. Yeah. Great late round pickup if you got him when he was starting. He's not anymore. He's not quite the guy he was as a late pickup. But they never had anybody running that offense. And hopefully Fultz can do that. Yeah, I'm joking a little, too, because I'm rooting for him. I really am. And I'm rooting for the Magic. I like a lot of the players on the Magic. There's some fun guys to watch there. Jonathan Isaac, who I just love. As you guys know, I overpay for him every year in the draft. And this year, I maybe got it right because he's playing amazingly well. Yeah, I mean, I think he's like the wing Rudy Gobert, you know, or something (laughs) like that. So, And I think that's the Magic's philosophy is they've drafted these, like, go-go gadget armed individuals um and they've just made a whole team of them and they want to make it impossible for you to score their problem is that they haven't had they haven't been able to acquire that point guard like you're saying or even if it's not a point guard um a perimeter player a dynamic perimeter player they just don't have it you know even um Aaron Gordon is you. We want him to be that. He's like he <laughs> took steps toward it last year, but he was I don't as close know. As they get. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever going to get there. Fournier isn't either going to be the guy. So yeah, Kyle, I know you've got something. I can see it. You know, I was really, really close to being able to talk up one of my predictions, and it's actually the one that I've had the most reservations about, which was my prediction that um, the Nets would miss the playoffs. Um, that I just wasn't buying that their depth could keep them in it. Um, Right out of the gates, uh, I thought that I was way wrong because Kyrie looked fantastic. Um, But they've struggled, and they lost to the Pistons, for instance, and they've lost a number of games that I thought that if they were going to be sort of that, you know, lock playoff team, that they would have won. They may figure it out. But as of right now, they're at the very, very last spot um, in in the playoff, you know, rankings. And uh, you know, I love Kenny Atkinson there, though. I love how hard that team plays, top to bottom. I think they're going to figure it out. It's looked rough, but I think they're going to figure it out. Yeah, I think what's the scary part for them is that Kyrie is been really good so far this season and they're still struggling a bit (laughs) it didn't so (laughs) so what happens yeah you know what happens if he gets injured or he his play falls off a little I mean they're asking him to do so much I think he's averaging like 32 points seven assists and five rebounds he's putting up pretty ridiculous numbers like career best numbers for him if he maintains them for the year and yeah I I kind of agree I feel like they're missing they're missing Kevin Durant. It's very <laughs> obvious that they're missing Kevin Durant. They're missing like a true small forward. They're missing like quality power forwards. They maybe only have one real power forward on the roster currently. Karooks doesn't seem to be the same player he was last year right now. Um and DeAndre Jordan, I've watched a couple of Nets games because Kyrie has been so exciting this season and uh DeAndre Jordan looks old. He looks <laughs> old. And we thought he might have a bounce back that he wasn't really giving full effort with some of the reads last year and that he would be this year now that he was playing for something again. And it's been a little surprising to not see that bounce back. Um Yeah. One one of the other four positions I think is kind of interesting though is Prince. Um He's, he's shooting well, I think. He, this he's year. shooting well, and he's playing good defense too. Um, and it's and the Hawks gave up on him, and I'm wondering about that now. Like, why did they give up on him? Why haven't they developed on Torian Prince? On Torian Prince, why you know Len His hasn't defense, developed, which is the Bembry big didn't the... develop. I'm just saying, like, yeah. there are a bunch of guys in Atlanta that didn't develop. Prince is doing a lot better with the Nets than he was with the Hawks. 
though he does have a really specific role there too with the Nets. It's it's very narrowly defined, and he's excelling at it. He's their second leading scorer right now at 15 points per game, and he's shooting I think 41 percent from three, which is good. Um, he's still like most of the Nets right now, though, has a negative defensive rating. They actually, I think, only have one player with a positive, and it's Jared Allen. Um, no, they have Garrett Temple, too. Um, but The old master, the old glue guy who makes everything work yeah. somehow, even though you never expect he'll do it another year. Um, but, yeah, Garrett Temple shows up and does that every year. And so, you know, the... It's tough to say. It really seems, you know, part of it could be if the whole team has these negative defensive numbers and if Kenny Atkinson gets people flying around and, you know, and defending well, um, maybe they start to cover for one another in a way and all of these these numbers, you know, sort of you get a, a rising tide for them. Um, but that is definitely why the, the Hawks gave up on him. It wasn't his offense per se. Um, except for that his some of his strengths were a little redundant because of the right. depth that they had on the wing there. Of course. Um, but it was the fact that when they put him out there, he was a liability on defense. So I'd like um, – this is a, a, a step away from our um, our surprises and disappointments, but I, um, Jalen just mentioned one Hollinger article. I'm going to mention another one um, where he talked about some – I think he calls it cap geekery or something like that. He's back um, with a vengeance, John Hollinger, <laughs> back writing about the NBA. Well, he, and so he wrote a great piece um, calling out some of the contract extensions that have really specific clauses this year. And, and us talking about Prince was what made me think of it here. Um, Prince has three clauses worth a little over a million total – uh, as incentives in his contract. One of them is a defensive rating of 105 or better. The second one is uh, 7.63s per 36 minutes. And the third one is making 41.5% of those threes. He gets a little over a third of a million for making any of those. And then just to give you another example, DeJounte Murray, who just signed his extension, he also has three clauses worth 500000 each. One is a true shooting percentage of 58%. The second is uh, 125 made threes, and the third is making an all-defensive team. And one of the things I love here is that these clauses, in these clauses, the teams are telling the players exactly the type of player they want them to be. And this didn't used to be a part of the NBA. There was the odd incentive clause put in or there was a conditioning clause or you know it was those sorts of things it was never with this sort of specificity and i kind of love the development in certain ways and i think it may be what unlocked prince here and we're seeing a great season from murray too i think part of the reason they didn't have the incentives back then is because they didn't have the stats knowledge to know that that's what they wanted true it, we're really true. interesting like what the stats are doing is they're literally creating areas of value that did not exist before. Well, three-point right? shooters. So we see you, it here, both. So you can say people shot three-pointers and they had percentages, but if you don't understand the percentages as a certain kind of value, yeah. then you can't operationalize them in a way that you could turn them into contract structures. Right. But it, Right, and this is all the data gathering that we're seeing in sports today. It makes this kind of contract possible in a way it never, ever was before. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Kyrie also has some incentives in his contract. And I think uh, for Kyrie and KD, they use those incentives to allow them to get the full money of their right. contract 
while still fitting in DeAndre Jordan on the team without like pushing them way over the cap. And I think that was the Buddy Heald contract too. He he was posturing for a lot more money, um, and they got him to that. They got him to his number through the incentives. Mm-hmm. The yeah. guaranteed money was is a little higher than their the, the Kings' original number, but the incentives take him to his number, yeah. which I thought was an interesting thing. Yeah, and I I could be uh, misspeaking here, but it, if my understanding is correct, if uh, if something is an likely incentive then it counts against a cap and if it's an unlikely incentive it right. doesn't count against a cap so that's another way that these teams right. are sort of manipulating their cap sheets and also like influencing the players to play a certain way that they believe um is best suited for their team um and so just to wrap up on the nets i mean if you're not watching Kyrie this season especially in the early part of the season when he's fresh um and he's got it rolling then i don't know what you're doing um <laughs> So definitely tune into that. And I think I share the concerns that Kyle does about the Nets. I think when I watched them, I watched the Rockets game where they were playing the Rockets, I think, last week. And I I was just thinking to myself, who are the good defenders on this team? You know, um, Kyrie is not a great defender. I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie is a great defender. Joe Harris is, but he's very limited. You know, he's a good positional team defender. Um, Jared Allen is a good defender, but he's a center in a league that is oftentimes moving away from that position altogether. He's a bit of an undersized center relative to others. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just don't think they have a ton of great defensive players. And so I I feel like they're going to always struggle on defense. And and when KD gets back, maybe it won't matter. Maybe they'll just outscore people. Right. You know, I could see us going through an entire episode here without talking about the Clippers, but um, I'd like to talk about them in one way, in one way only. Do it. And that is the um, one night Kawhi, next night LeBron, one night Kawhi, next night LeBron, um, and particularly with the way that ESPN likes to um, put out its headlines about these. There's a lot of Jordan talk right now around Kawhi that then seems to be turning into a big LeBron James, you know, triple double. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, what what do you guys make of this uh, of of the 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 league marketing right now? Um, they're 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 seem to be calling on casual fans to look in. I mean, I think there's a very real um, interplay, a very real. Um, cold war between the Clippers and the Lakers uh, in their marketing team. So the, are they going to build a Los Angeles wall, a la <laughs> Berlin? So, so like the the Clippers are marketing their team as the sort of not grit and grind, but the sort of blue collar team in LA. You know, they built their team the right way. They didn't just do it at, at the snap of a finger like the Lakers did in getting AD. And they their team is filled with a bunch of more hard nosed guys. You know, guys who every Everyone is saying this phrase. I'm tired of everyone saying this frame, this phrase. But you know, guys who got it out of the mud, like uh, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> um, I was doing air quotes there. You couldn't see. Um, so yeah, guys like Patrick Beverly, Jamichael Green, Montrez Harold. These guys who like are undersized, who play extremely hard. Um, Beverly has more of a defensive reputation than either of those two. But yeah, guys who play hard, play good defense. Um, you know, hard nosed guys. And the Lakers obviously are Showtime. They they can't escape that that 
association um, and the Clippers know that. And so that's how they're marketing their team as the opposite of Showtime. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that there is this thing going on where Kawhi's in a big market. Um, you know, the team is probably doing everything they can to keep him happy, to keep him there. Um, and it's showing up in like the coverage of him and the coverage of his uh, play. And he's playing great, but he also like, I think had two not so great shooting games in a row, even though he was like scoring in the thirties. Um, and Is Steve Ballmer out there greasing hands, getting <laughs> getting the coverage he wants. Maybe. Um, before we start the podcast, Jalen, you made an observation about Kawhi and passing. Uh, yeah. So um, I wrote an article for Razzball. Um, I think it's titled "Early Season uh, Must Watch Forwards," uh, and I talk about Kawhi Leonard's passing. I talk about. Uh, LeBron James passing uh, in which I sort of make a late prediction that LeBron James might lead the league in assists this year um, if you if you're watching the Lakers pay attention to LeBron's activity in the first half or sometimes lack of activity he's often very passive he's often pass first he's often looking to get guys involved um, he's ended whole halves with like nine points and like a couple assists um, and the Lakers are winning these games, so I'm not saying this as a negative. I'm just saying that, like, uh, AD and the rest of his teammates are benefiting greatly from, like, the way in which he's easing into the flow of these games. Um, and Kawhi, I mean, I wrote about this at the end of the playoffs. We all sort of glossed over the fact that Kawhi didn't really shoot the ball great in the finals, that he kind of struggled with the uh, in intermittent double teams that the Warriors threw at him. Um, and we were just like, Kawhi's the best. He's better than everyone. He's the best player in the game. And I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know <laughs> about that. LeBron and KD still exist. But but Kawhi is great. But the greatest weakness in his game was his passing. And right. uh, by all accounts, that seems to be that weakness seems to be shored up this season. Um, he matched his career high in assists, I think, in game two with nine. And then he he blew through that and got 10 assists immediately in the next game. I think he's averaging about seven assists right now to start the season. So his passing seems to be real. It seems to have expanded. Um, and that's going to make him more lethal in the playoffs. It's fascinating because in the playoffs, he was, it, it, that was the one piece of his game that was getting trashed and it was getting trashed because he was an average passer or just a good yeah. passer. Yeah. He wasn't an awful <laughs> passer by any means. He no, just, I mean, he was fine, but it was interesting. Do you think he took that in? Like how, what is, what changed? He's down to 5.7 assists. So I think the past couple games, he hasn't been getting as many assists. I, I think the the reality is that he's, he just, he grew his game. You know, I think he grew yeah. his game this summer. I think he's going to be in a lot of pick and rolls in Doc Rivers offense. And oh, right. especially with Paul, especially with Paul George out and, and um, Lou Williams coming off the bench, he's the primary playmaker, you know, in, in Toronto, he had, he was playing with Kyle Lowry basically all the time. And he was more ISOing, you know, he was running pick and rolls, but he was oftentimes mostly looking for a shot. Uh, he wasn't making these quick reads that he seems to be making now. So, um, yeah. 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 Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up was the, uh, Towns and Embiid, um, scuffle, let's call it. I found the scuffle less interesting. I found the Twitter afterward a little more interesting. And I'm curious to know why anybody keeps taking on Joel Embiid on Twitter. Cat posts the picture, seems like a solid rip. But it just doesn't go that way. Embiid is always more clever somehow or accepts the burn and wins that way. 
Um, any thoughts on that? He's magnanimous. He is. And that, that's part of the way he can continually win. He, he doesn't mind sort of smiling at a, at a, you know, at a good quip yeah. from somebody. And, uh, yeah, it's a good question. Why would you go at him? He, he's the best Twitter personality in the NBA. Whether, Undefeated whether he's, on Twitter. Yeah, whether he's dueling or, you know, just, <laughs> you know, raising spirits. Sure. Completely agree. I feel like my contrarianism is kicking in here, but <laughs> anytime you need, like, a whole paragraph to respond to someone's diss, I feel like you need to go back and workshop that, you know, All smooth right. out Pair some of uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can streamline I think you're this. just envious of his audience. <laughs> Let's keep it tight, yeah. I just – I expect better, you know. Like, I'm, I'm a hip-hop fan. I don't – I don't – not every diss track is a good diss track, okay? Just because someone says something doesn't mean doesn't make it good, you know. You you still have to do the thing well. I'm still giving it to Embiid. No, he I mean he Cat can't, <laughs> can't win. Like Cat right, can't win. win the team his team lost the game. Um Embiid has better numbers against him. I mean Embiid has, teams have been in the playoffs. Like it's too easy. Cat's an easy target, you know. Jimmy Butler yeah. walked all over him yeah. when he was in town. They have no playoff success. It's just yeah. It was easy. No, he had he couldn't win. Yeah. Yeah. Um the most interesting thing about that fight to me um is that it doesn't have anything to do with the fight. I just want to talk about the fact that Carl Anthony Towns is leading the NBA in three-pointers per game at 4.5. <laughs> Which is amazing because James Harden is taking 13 threes a game. What? <laughs> What's his average right now then? Because that puts him under 33? Under 33. He's shooting 28.1% from oh. three. Why aren't we talking about that? I didn't even realize. Sorry, wait. He, well, he's been suspended for, the, you know, he was suspended for two games. He's coming back tonight, right? Okay. Um, uh No, tomorrow night. Uh, Towns will. And, uh, right. And oh, who knows? Harden's terrible shooting. Oh, I thought, I thought you were talking about. I, both sides oh, yeah. of this are okay, surprising. Cat yeah. at over four a game. And Harden, just the terrible percentages. He's too good of a shooter. Sorry, I um I gave him too much credit. He's taking 13.6 threes a game, making 3.4 of them for a, uh, a robust Ugh. percentage of 25.3% from three. Is he like wow. Draymond last year, having, yeah. to, having to get himself into shape? But a little, maybe or? it's because he's trying that goofy sidestep three that he was working on. Oh, I, don't, I, don't one I don't even think he's trying it in games. <laughs> I don't think he's doing it. But um, this is James Harden in a nutshell. He's also averaging 14.9 uh, sorry, no, 16.1 free throw attempts a game, and he's making 14.9 of them. He's wow. shooting 92% from the free throw line. That's James Harden. That's pretty good. That'll raise your efficiency. Yep. <laughs> Let's hit just a couple more of these before we close because okay, I, what you got? Th there are some really weird and great things going on in the NBA in terms of you know, small 20 rebounds a game. Exactly. Small sample size, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe he it keeps it. up. He could he could he could Case, average twenty and twenty for Casey the season. stated today Drummond can do more. I can we can get more out of Drummond. And he's I think he's twenty one points and nineteen point nine rebounds yeah. a game. And it's just sort of like it's amazing. I don't want Blake Griffin to come back if Andre Drummond keeps doing this. Can the Pistons please trade Blake Griffin? I want them to trade Drummond, too. I want him to start over. Um, it's just – I mean, it's partially because I don't think that Drummond can really succeed there because of the 
they've just put themselves in a hole. They don't have assets going forward. It's a big hole. I don't see them being able to do much. I love Drummond and I love the Pistons and I want them both to succeed. And I just see a middling team going forward. And so I'm trying to think of creative ways that that the Pistons get better and that I get to see Drummond on a team that matters in his prime when he's absolutely dominant because he should be, right now, one of the primary talking points of the NBA, and he's an afterthought just yeah. because he plays on a pretty much nothing team in Detroit mediocre right now. Mediocre team. Yeah. Super mediocre, according to Zach Lowe. So going another place in that division um, and talk about – so it's a, a division, uh, an inter-division, um, intra-division um, jumper – um, is uh, Malcolm Brogdon is the number eight fantasy player yeah. in in nine cats right now, um, and is the third highest. I think he's the has the third highest assists in the league. We Which knew he was taking on a bigger role. Yeah, yeah. We definitely talked about this. We talked about how he's a super efficient player and he's going to have a lot more volumes to start the season. I don't know why I didn't remind myself of that before we went into the draft, but <laughs> I said it on this pod. I wrote it in my articles for Razball. I hope I hope someone benefited from it because I certainly did it. Whoever picked him up did and got him at a decent price. The question will be what happens when Oladipo comes back. And the other piece of this is Jeremy Lamb's putting up great numbers, too. And it's, and, and it's again, what happens when Oladipo comes back. I don't know quite how that'll work. Neither will have the volume they have now. And the Pacers are, I mean, it's the East, so they have plenty of time to figure it out. But they didn't get off to the best start to the season either. So, and now uh, with Turner hurt. Yeah, Turner's injured. And I think Sabonis is also has, like, a very minor calf issue. He might miss the next couple games. Okay. So... Yeah, they, they have to make sure they get their act together. Otherwise, they might find themselves out of the playoffs. Is Harden taking all those shots because he wants to average 40 a game, or is it because they've been behind? Because they've been behind. What, well, he didn't get the MVP last year, and he averaged how many points per game last 36. year? 36. Yeah. The I mean, maybe he's like, Jordan. I really need to average 40 <laughs> to get the MVP. and I don't know. But all I know is to start the season – um, I never thought this would be the case, but Russell Westbrook has been better than James Harden. Um, he's making plays in the clutch. He's, I mean, Harden's still efficient because of his free throws, but like when you're going, when he was like two for 16 in the game against the, um, the Nets, uh, which they lost. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you just, this is, this is the whole Rockets thing in a nutshell. It's just like we're just going to keep banging our heads against the wall and taking these threes even if we're missing them. And, yeah, I get it. The math makes sense. That's how the math works. But at the same time, like, there's a game to win. you got to win the game. Yeah. I mean, they'll probably figure it out. But I don't know if they will figure it <laughs> out. I think they will keep following the math. And the problem with the math is – it's a 95% math that they're working with, and they keep getting knocked out by that 5% you know, that's outside of the range of what's most likely to happen. The, the Rockets aren't good at acknowledging that. Moray isn't good at acknowledging that. But I think it's a piece of this puzzle that never gets talked about. And the math will catch up to you. It always mm -hmm. catches up to you. Yeah. And math or no math, if you don't stop anyone, um, you're going to lose. <laughs> they gave up 158 points to the Wizards. Um, I think Harden But they had, scored 159. Yeah, they scored 159. Harden had 60 in that game, right? 
Um, the, the only game where two teams scored over 150 without overtime in NBA history. Hard, yeah, Harden had 59, so they needed all 59 of those points yeah. <laughs> to, to beat the Wizards. Do you have other like fun things, Kyle? Who's leading the league in steals? You know, I, one of the things, one of the last, uh, Ben Simmons. Oh, nice. Ben Simmons at 3.33. Is, is it like three six seventy sixers on the top ten list or something? Because uh, Thibel is tied for second. Yeah. With, <laughs> is Richardson with on there? Yeah. yeah. Richardson could be on there, too. Yeah. They're... <laughs> They're pickpockets. Uh, they can do it. And your, your boy Mikael Bridges is tenth. Yeah. Even though Basketball Monster, I, I, I have to say this: Basketball Monster completely missed Mikael Bridges. They had him as a breakout. He wasn't a breakout. They immediately suggested he be dropped, which I refuse to do because we're a keeper league and there's a different kind of value with that. But Bridges is starting to show up. We're, we're about half a dozen, seven, eight games in, whatever it is for the Suns, and he's putting up solid numbers. If you're looking for a steals guy with efficient percentages, Mikael Bridges is still getting it done. I'll, I'll take him. I'll, I'll, I will trade you anything right now because it's just too hard to look at my stat lines these days. They're so boring. And so tedious. I need something to happen. Trade me anybody for Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges is a good example to me of a player that can tantalize you but never really uh, you, you know, make good Dwight on Powell, it. Anyone? Dwight Powell is another one. because, <laughs> because He's on my team too. Just want to clarify. Especially for a keeper league because <laughs> one of the things that you're trying to get for a keeper league is, is a player who will be worth – five dollars more next year right. and that doesn't seem like that much but even the jump from two to seven dollars can big. can for a player who's you know uh you know an average nba starter um end up being too much you can end yeah. up overpaying by only a little but end up overpaying for someone you sure. could have just probably gotten a better player for or gotten later on in in the draft in a I don't know that Mikel Bridges is good I I even wouldn't have put five dollars on him this year um he may yet prove me wrong um, I still but, think he'll show up I have him for the steals and the percentages and as Jalen just called out he's, just, he's already top he's top 10 in steals after a slow start not a lot of minutes if he gets those minutes He'll pull up some other numbers. Yeah, it's interesting because he's just one of those guys. He's just never going to have a ton of usage, and so yeah. you wonder if the, my my fear with people who don't have a lot of who don't have high usage rates is that is someone going to come along that the team would just rather be in the lineup than them? You know, Kelly that Oubre. they would like to prioritize, right? Kelly Oubre, Ke- Kelly Oubre. Uh, you know, with Rubio showing up this time, you know, sure. they're just they're just enough people who are going to take the game away. Right, but he's too useful on the defensive side yeah. for them to not have in the in the starting lineup. So, who knows? Yeah, and he was a player like I I, I agree I agree with everything you said, Kyle. He was a player that was such a perfect fit for the build I was trying for. He was worth more than even the five bucks I paid for him. So, um, uh, well, I, I I guess we should we we should talk about scorekeeper fantasy then. I've already articulated some of my disappointment with my own team. Um, didn't get what I was after in the draft. Um, ended up with a muddled 
build of a sort, been trying to make some trades. The thing that stands out to me most uh, so far, two weeks into our season, is how disappointed I am with my team and how irrational that is to how much that matters in the rest of my life. And I don't know what to do with that emotion. Any thoughts on that? Do you, I know, Kyle, you've experienced this at times. I suspect, Jalen, you have too. I'm experiencing it right now. <laughs> it's part of the game. It's a weird, unexpected part of the You've game. You've fallen farther than what I expected. I thought that you had a real nice core of value. They're underperforming My, tremendously right and, now. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons that you you could still be bullish on them because a lot can change. And we're, yeah. we're very early on. And a lot of these numbers are mirages. And sure. a lot of the, you know mirages for the good players and also you know um underrepresentative of of what they could be for the players like yours um i in prior years have had disappointments but they've really been pretty minor in in that um is usually a feeling of seeing someone who is just a juggernaut and realizing that my team couldn't couldn't catch up with them. Right. And uh, I'm well, in a position there are a now. a couple juggernauts this year. I'm in a position now where I don't think that I can compete for best record, but I do think that I can compete for the championship. I think that I'm well set up to beat any given team, but I'm not well set up to rack up wins. But we're a 14-team league. Eight teams will make the playoffs. And so potentially a team or two with a losing record perhaps will get into the playoffs. Kyle, with your setup and value, um, almost certainly will make the playoffs and have that shot. Um, I have a team that could take down better teams uh, with the right mix, but I'm, I will be borderline whether I make the playoffs or not because I can't make up a lot of ground with this team. I win a lot of matchups 5-4, and I've lost the first two matchups. I already have ground to make up, so... Yeah, I'm not sure where I'm going with this team yet. So, Kyle, do you just want to do um, sort of an introduction to our league, you know, league name, how it's structured, all that sort of stuff? What what your goal is for the league, you know, you as the commissioner, what you would like it to turn into or uh, what you're proud of about it now? The league is called Scorekeeper. It's a it's a good descriptive name, if a bit wrote um i like it though it's good uh, yeah it, it works you yeah. know it, it it does what we wanted to do it keeps scores we have keepers you know scorekeeper um it's a it started off as a 10 team league we had a massive um expansion massive being four teams but a four team expansion to a, a 10 team keeper league creates all kinds of value problems because of the rising costs of players and how and and the low costs of the keepers um, from the teams that already had them and so it's been a bit of a transition over the past two years um, working in those four teams and also um, you know, trying to level out values in a way. Yeah, to clarify just a minute, the keepers, because we're keeping them at a lower value than their actual value, that means there's more money to spend on the players that are left. And so any projected value for those players left that we're drafting in the auction 
are almost always thrown out. They go for one and a half times as much of their projection, sometimes two times, sometimes four times as much of their projection. We saw quite a few overbids. An, an example today was there was a trade offer for John Collins um, after his 25-game suspension who was drafted this year at only $12 um, or kept this year at only $12 right. and has one more keeper year remaining at a very with, good value which would be at $17 um, trading him for Buddy Heald who because of this inflation went for $39 this year would be a $44 player next year which is difficult I ended up, to imagine I ended up vetoing that trade because it was so imbalanced and in part because one of the players didn't realize that we would Yahoo doesn't create an injury tag for suspended players. I think it's a mistake. I don't think that yeah, it's I don't just think an it's out a tag, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's an easy way to for for leagues with daily roster changes, it's basically impossible to hold on to a player who's out for 25 games. It's not the fantasy manager's fault that someone got a PED suspension, and I think that they should just put an INJ tag on it so that they can effectively put the person on the injured reserve, grab another player in the meantime. And so what we've done in our league is allowed teams to drop the player and retain rights upon their return. And the person who was willing to trade John Collins for um, Buddy Heald, just, you know, for Buddy Heald in, in such a low return, didn't realize that we would let him do that. Um, so I vetoed the trade. Is he keeping him now then? He, he is going to hold on to him. Okay, that's smart. He, he, he dropped him. Um, it does seem that Chris, our, our, our friend Chris, friend of the show, Chris, um, is going to try to put out other offers that might be able to still entice, um, you know, a, a new trade. But um, Yeah, I texted Michael. I was like, we can't let Chris trade for all of the suspended <laughs> players. Isn't, didn't he trade for DeAndre Ayton? He did. Yeah, How did he that happen? He Ayton, right. Well, and, I'm and upset. What I texted Jalen back, I was like, Kyle's going to kill the trade. <laughs> like, I just predicted that you would because it looked unbalanced to me. But – yeah, but the, the trade also, you know, to get back to the original point, it is a good example of a lot of players ended up being overvalued. And then so the, there actually haven't been as many keepers in the, you know, for instance, this last year, there weren't as many keepers as in previous years because of so much inflation. But people are still getting them. And I think the biggest thing is people are realizing that you need to keep players even at higher prices because of the amount of money in the league. Yeah. For instance, uh, DeJounte Murray went this year for $15. If he doesn't get kept next year for 20 I will be astonished. Yeah. In part because I think he might actually just reach Yahoo's projected value of 20 next year. But even, well but even if he didn't, even suppose that he's like listed at maybe 12 or something like that, I would say in our league, as competitive as it is and as high a price as people have to pay to get that kind of talent, especially the kind of rising talent that DeJounte Murray is, right. that you would keep him. Right. I mean, another example, just to use one from my team I, I mentioned earlier, I think Jonathan Isaac was listed at, projected at $8. And uh, I got my yearly, my annual uh, bidding war with Flying Alamo over Jonathan Isaac I always win it. It didn't help me last year. Might help me this year. Um, but he went for almost four times his projection. 
it's kind of crazy, but some of these work out right. And when you get it right, it's a very valuable piece for your team. And I don't think we have time to talk about it today, but there's a reason why players like Jonathan Isaac go uh, are bid up so much in our league because there is a counting stats build that is pretty impervious to injuries, to you know very various fluctuations throughout the season in player performance that can just sort of let you chug along yeah. and keep a steady ship and put you in a position where you can win. And uh, he fits that build. And he fits that build perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. He, and it, it usually involves punting free throw percentage. That's usually the first move that you do. The interesting thing about Michael's build is he's doing a counting stats build with a high free throw percentage shooting team. Um, I'm interested to see how that comes together. It, it could I have be, one big trade still to make. But it could it, it could, could be it could be potent. <laughs> it's much harder to put together. But the reason it's why hard as hell. the reason why he had <laughs> to do that is because the big free throw percentage punt players, Rudy Gobert, uh, Andre Drummond, they're gone. They're kept. You know, Ben Simmons, as I have, um, are, are gone. Yeah. They've been kept. And so, and I'm newer to the league, as is Jalen. Um, you know, Kyle started the league. Um, what I realize is keeper league. You know, we have teams like uh, Kyle's like uh, Flying Alamo, there are a few others that had a lot of keeper value built up. And what I realized in looking at the math of this nine cat was that if I was going to beat any of these teams ever, I had to attack them from a sort of odd angle, an odd build. And that's what I've tried to do here. That's how I end up in that weird build and paying $30 for Jonathan Isaac. And now that everyone's so on to the power of a punt free throw build, I think it's going to be much harder to put it together, and yeah. which is going to open up, you know, the more that there's an arms race around the punt free throw and turnover build, because yep. it's really both. You, yep. you, you do both free throw and together. turnover together. You can what, do field goal. As people come as into well. that and there's an arms race produced out of it, other builds like the one you have right now yes. are going to become more viable because that one will be more watered down. Unfortunately, I was hoping this would be a build that almost nobody within would be in. Somehow, um, I ended up with two teams, two other teams fighting with me in this player pool unexpectedly. One, I guess I should have expected because Ouroborai just sort of, you know, they followed you in the past. Now they're following me. Um, that was really about the build. That, that's about it was keeper build. It's about his keepers. Yeah, yeah. He had, same for me. He had Jokic and Delon Wright, um, and maybe one other that I'm not remembering right now. But they fit really well yeah, into absolutely. this build. Absolutely, in a point punt. Yes. Um, 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 any last thoughts about scorekeeper? Kyle's off to a decent start. Jalen and I are fighting our way to the bottom. Um, Hard to see what teams are going to look like quite yet. There are a lot of trades, pickups, and drops. The waiver wire is awfully active. It'll be a fun season in that way. I expect I think we've already had five trades, four trades. I mean, when I entered the league, there had been no trades ever. I made the first trade in the league ever. And now we just, like, it happens, you know, a few a week. The tank is on for me. <laughs> I'm holding on to Michael Porter Jr. for dear life. He'll be worth everything in two years. I believe it. I hope. 
I think um, that is it for this version of Shot Tower. We are turning off the phantom power. Cheers. Hope it was okay to end.